Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We've been talking about the marks of a healthy church during the past few broadcasts, and this, of course, is such a vital discussion to be having. One of the things I want to make sure that our listeners hear is that we're not talking about some sort of ecclesiastical elitism. We're not snubbing our noses and saying there's only one right way to practice uh, a church. We recognize that there's no such thing as a perfect church. There are only imperfect churches. But by studying the marks of a church, we can help distinguish between those churches that are more healthy and from those that are more sickly. So far, we've looked at the marks of the true preaching of the word and the right use of the sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper. And if you've missed any of our broadcasts, you can subscribe to our podcast. Just make sure you type in The Gospel for Life. So today we're looking at the practice of church discipline. A church cannot be healthy, cannot, if it doesn't practice church discipline. So brothers, can you walk us through what church discipline is? Uh, church discipline is simply um, formally in the life of the church and living out what Jesus talks about uh, well in several places in the first of all in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew um, Jesus says if if you're if if you're don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye if you have a log in your own. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Uh, and when Jesus is talking about taking the speck out of the eye, it's an image for helping one another deal with sin in our lives. And Jesus is cautioning there that if you're going to help your brother or your sister with sin in their life, uh, make sure that you recognize first you have a log in your own and take it out. In other, in other words, you're approaching your brother or your sister with humility and love. Um, and then uh, in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus says, if your uh, brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And then if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Amen. It's, church discipline is done. That, that's the best way for church discipline ever to be handled. One-on-one, one Christian to another. And we, we pray that, and we pray that we have the love and the humility that church discipline is completed right there. Mm-hmm. Step one. But, Jesus went on, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along, or take witnesses along. And then finally, I'm just going to skip right to the chase. If, if your brother does not acknowledge wrongdoing, then take it to the whole church. 
Um, and uh, different churches have different ways of approaching this. Different churches have different um, rules and uh, procedures for church discipline. But the, the main point is, is that within the life of the church, uh, we are not to simply ignore it or hope it'll go away or sweep it under the rug if someone is caught up in a, in a sin that, you know, and of course lots of sins are invisible. We do, we just don't know, but if, but if it's visible and, and if we know it, we're to deal with it. I don't know if it's helpful to think of this in these terms, but when you talk about the three marks of the church, the preaching, the sacraments and, and church discipline, really the first two um, you could almost talk about as formative discipline. Um, it's providing the correction and help and direction for the individuals within the church that they're being conformed by the, the, the teaching of the word and the right administration of the sacraments. That's a formative discipline. Um, so when you're parenting a child, your instruction is not just always correcting your kids. You're, you're positively instructing and teaching and, and disciplining through the truths of what ought to be. You're forming them. That you're forming them. But corrective discipline is, is an acknowledgement that we all are sinful and we go astray. Our kids do, and so then we correct them. Um, and sometimes that comes with, um, with a discipline that is, can be unpleasant for them. There's some sort of uh, corrective action that's being taken to bring them back in line. Um, and that's what church discipline is about, is, is about restoration, um, repentance. We're not just administering punishment, if you will, just for punishment's sake. It's not, church discipline is not an end to, uh, unto itself. And this is sometimes difficult for people in the church to understand. Um, so somebody sins pretty egregiously, and people are like, well, you as church leadership, let them go without anything. There, there was no punishment for them. Well, if they repented, if they truly had sorrow for their sin and they changed direction, yeah. there was no need for any type of punitive, if you will, right. action on the Christ part of the church. Christ was punished for him That's right. or for her. Yes. The only reason why you continue down the path of some sort of corrective measures by the church is because they're refusing to repent. Yeah. Right. Once repentance happened, everything's off. Yeah. The the end goal has been met. Yeah. It's right. the restoration of the wayward sheep. Yes. And that is so hard for some people because we we are almost inclined for this odd idea of justice. And we forget about the cross. Yeah. That right. justice has been has been met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. the the goal The goal of church discipline. Well, well, first of all, church discipline must always, always, always be done in love and humility. And if it isn't, then it isn't Christian discipline. It, it isn't Christ like discipline. And it's never to make an example of the person. It's never to make an example of the person. Never to humiliate them. It's always to be restorative. And, and that's why, you know, that it, it's not to humiliate. That's, that's why Jesus said, go to them one-on-one mm-hmm. first. Yeah. You know, the first step is not take it to the community and, and, and air somebody's dirty laundry. Uh, Jesus doesn't want people to be humiliated. Yeah. So you guys focused very, very, very well on that one main aim of restoring the, the particular individual. 
Um, but to rescue uh, church discipline from individualism, as we've been talking about the last few broadcasts, there are more aims to church discipline oh, for sure. than merely restoration. Sure. Although for the individual, that's what we're aiming at. There's also, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, you guys are very aware of that case where the man is sleeping with his stepmom or, or some relationship. And uh, Paul says, of course, hand this man over to Satan so that his spirit can be saved on the day of Christ Jesus. That's that restoration element. But right. then he gives two more elements that are so critical. He says in verse uh, 6, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What, yes. what is he getting at there? What, what does he mean? Yes. Well, the, the, the poison of sin, we're, we are not individuals. We are not just individuals. And the idea, and, and once again, to ignore church discipline is a sign of the encroachment of individualism into the life of the church. Well, we can isolate this individual over here, and that contagion won't spread. Well, no, it it will. And when Paul says a little leaven leavens the whole lump, he says, look, if you tolerate this, it's going to poison the whole fellowship. It's going to poison the whole church. And the poison is an undermining of the authority of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. That what you're saying is God's authority over the church doesn't matter. Right. If you don't deal with sin within it, because sin at its very core is an affront to the authority of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you if you don't deal with that really disregard for the authority of Christ, what you're communicating to the church body is Christ's authority doesn't matter. And so what you're doing is you're protecting that sheep individually as you're protecting all of the sheep within the congregation to say no. We're constantly under the word of God. We're so, constantly under his authority. And so that's the third element. So the, the restoration of the sinner, the the protection for the whole body, and then the vindication of God's glory. If, if we're not actively participating in, in – if there's an egregious sin happening and if we're not pursuing church discipline, then what our witness is to the world and to our own congregation is that God's word doesn't really matter that much. Right, right. The glory of Christ doesn't matter that much. And Paul roots this reason right here in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, for – so cleanse out the old lemon – for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. This gospel work has already been done yes. to act like that this is okay – is to demean the gospel. Yes, and you're not only you're, you're and you it's also unloving to to fail to do biblical discipline is unloving in two ways. It's 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 unloving to the person who is caught up in sin because we're saying, well, it really doesn't matter. This person's life really doesn't matter. This this person's relationship with God really doesn't matter. And in a way, then we're ignoring and we're saying that what happens to the body doesn't matter. And ultimately, we're saying God doesn't matter, that his word doesn't matter, that his truth doesn't matter. If we're just going to be laissez-faire and and, uh, say, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. And and, uh, ultimately, it's unloving. Yep. It, it's a failure to love both the individual and and God, and uh, failure to love the individual, failure to love the church, failure to love God. And I think maybe it's helpful to even just remind people that restoration doesn't mean that that doesn't carry with it some um, consequences on the human level. Sure. Um, I might, if I had an accountant that was embezzling my money, um, I can forgive him mm-hmm. if he repents. 
but I'm not sure I'm going to put him in charge of the finances again. Right. I mean, so there's a human element where we need to use discernment and say, well, no, that might be unwise to continue to allow them to serve in a leadership position or a yeah. teaching p- facility. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, so you, you have to be careful because then sometimes people will say, well, they didn't really truly forgive. Well, I, I'm not sure if that's fair. Um, you have to trust the the wisdom and discernment of those that are are in leadership to say, no, we 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 have received him back as a brother. He's still within the fellowship, but we do think, um, for the sake of God's name, we think for the protection of the church, we might have to ask them to 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 step out of leadership for a considerable time. Yes, um, that's not punitive. No, um, and I think we have to just be careful that we um, aren't too quick to sweep it, the offense under the rug in the sense of saying that it doesn't matter on a human level. Right. Yes. You well, know, one one of the things, um, I have to get this first before we end the program. I think in our contemporary culture, if we look at churches that are practicing church discipline in the sea of churches that are not, we might look at those churches and say, look at those guys. Those are so arrogant. They're judgmental Christians. They're practicing this church discipline. They're pointing out the sins of these people who are refusing to repent or whatever. That's arrogant. But Paul actually turns that argument completely on its head in 1 Corinthians 5. When the when this church body refused to practice church discipline on this person who absolutely needed it, he says, you're arrogant. You're arrogant, yes. He says that to the church leaders. How, and in, in essence, how dare you mm-hmm. not do this for Christ's body? We're talking about right. the love of, I mean, how unloving would it be to let our children run out into the street and not discipline, not, not uh, try to stop them from their own destruction? That would be unloving. And the same thing is true here. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We've been talking about the essential marks of um, the church. And if you've missed any of these broadcasts, just subscribe to The Gospel for Life in whatever podcasting device that you use. And we hope to see you next time. 